I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is the Land Academy Show. This is episode 1,962, and today we are uh, talking about land investing in a low-growth real estate environment. Jill and I have been traveling all around the country this summer in our RV, and, and uh, it's taking us to very rural places uh, all over the place. Right now, we're kind of in the Rust Belt, and it's not what we're used to from a real estate investment environment. It's kind of stagnant uh, year over year the price increases are not what we're used to out west so we'll talk about that a little bit and then uh, a little later on in the episode we'll talk about the truth about mailer competition it's uh, something that's kind of always in the back of everybody's mind I think you know geez am I the 14th person this month sending uh, mail to the same area and uh, we've got some good news for you there Exactly. What was that? I got to pause for just a second. We are, in, like you said, in the Rust Belt. As you can see, if you're watching us right now, we are still in our sweet RV, having the best time ever, I got to tell you. And I want to hit it home again. You too can have a very successful land business from the road. It is not hard. And if anything, I mean, we're out here finding new areas, and it's not just helping our psyche which is great, right? But it's helping us, I, I think, look at land deals differently sometimes too. I'm, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up on our Thursday calls is everybody's like, oh, how much slope is too much slope? You know, and I, every now and then we're driving along and I'll spot something and I'll go, apparently that's not too much slope for those people. You know, you never know, it's all relative. But anyway, it's, it's fun to, Get, get your eyes on on some of the areas and the type of properties that you're buying. You don't need to do this. We still really mean it that, you know, you don't need to go look at your property. That's not at all what we're doing. But, you know, getting out and uh, enjoying it and seeing all this land. And holy moly, too, by the way, this will bring up our, this ties into our mailer competition thing. There's still a lot of land it's out limitless. there. I mean, we have driven through hours of vacant land you know in this country so so uh there there's there's a lot it's really good and i'm having fun we're clearly land people and i'm a land weirdo i wonder (laughs) i mean i wonder we're both entrepreneurs and obviously you are too probably if you're listening to this you know and i wonder about other real estate people so let's say maybe a residential real estate agent or maybe a person who's a ceo of a reit like mm-hmm. an office building a reit what happens to them when they're driving around like let's That's a good question. in northern michigan i mean does it do they attach like the significance of because all we do is talk about land and real estate all the time true and it really changes every every little leg of this trip that we that we're taking and really every trip that we take i guess we're doing the show right now <laughs> It changes how, you know, in some small way, how we send out mail and mm-hmm. how we buy and sell land. Yep. And so I don't know if an office building REIT manager would take a trip like this and uh, have those thoughts. I don't know. That's a very good question. if you're a natural born entrepreneur, you're going to have those thoughts anyway all the time. Yeah. I wonder. Each week on the show, we answer questions from our Land Academy member Discord forum. We review uh, land acquisitions from our weekly member webinars, and we take a deep dive into two land-related topics by popular request. I just mentioned those. If you want a sneak peek of our Discord forum, go to landacademy.com. It's free. 
And if you would like us to answer your question here, or just simply you need some help getting involved in our community or learning more about Land Academy, just drop us a text at 480-530-7383. We do read all the texts and your question just might be answered on our next podcast. All right, so here's the question that Chris wrote. Um, I have a question for those of you who have been doing this for a while. We're selling our business and hoping to put most of the proceeds into land flipping. I also may have access to a limited amount of private money. I'm hoping to do this full time, but trying to plan realistically as I have to provide for a family. I understand that it will take, say, six to eight months to start getting revenue from selling the land. I think that's too long, but we'll get there. Um, And I'm just wondering, uh, what do you think would be realistic? If I need to pull in a salary of about 70K a year, what would be be a reasonable amount of capital to start with? I intend on using deal funders, but uh, may also be able to get some cheaper private money as well. You know, I just had a conversation about this. Go ahead. So, you know, I don't think it's six to, six to eight months as you got hung up somewhere for me, you know, especially right now with the summertime and what we're finding and what we're buying and what we're selling. I mean, really, you could like not go nuts, right? And cash in, cash out, I'll say 90 days. Let's just say you take your time a little bit. And then as far as, this is my answer, and I know you're going to have a different answer here too in a minute, I sure Jack. am. I know. <laughs> uh, but if you need to pull in a salary of about 7K a year, all I keep thinking about is is, is dear Samantha and what she shared with us um, on our member call. Or was it our member? I don't remember where it was, but... Maybe when we, I think on a podcast, we did the podcast with Carl and Samantha a while back, but I mean, in the first quarter this year, she beat her, her old income, you know, from last year. So, and you know, I know people that are doing deals that not just me, but do deals that bring in $70,000 a deal on the profit, not the, not the deal kind of thing. So gosh, you know, say you're not that comfortable and you want to do, you do a half of those, you, you know, do a deal a month and you make 30,000 bucks. That's very doable. This is a question I chose um, very carefully uh, to to include in this episode, because I think it's something that's on everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, We get, you know, there's 50 point, you know, really topical points within this question that I think are super important to, to, in making a decision to, to buy a new company, sell a company, uh, start buying and selling land on the side or full time or all of that. And so Chris is right down the straight down the right path. He's got a huge advantage that he's already run a, uh, a business. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a very, uh, very positive step in the right direction. He understands payroll and making whatever they're selling or making or, or whatever is, uh, you know, is part of the decision process. So, but I do think that if you're very, very early on in your career and you're young, you don't have some of the kind of issues that that Chris might have. And I'm not picking on him at all. I'm just kind of using it as an example so we all can learn. He needs $70,000 a year to to keep his family fed and a roof over his head. And if you don't have that, uh, you know, you don't have that kind of responsibility, you're way, way, way further ahead. You know, you can make that $70,000 a year pretty easily, turn it into a couple thousand dollars a month and, and be okay if you make the right decisions. So, uh, you know, I, I understand that he, that he's got fixed costs and has to deal with it. 
If you don't, more power to you. My point is, I, I, I'm not being negative. I'm really saying there's some huge advantages. Young people tend to think that, uh, that they're kind of behind the eight ball, that they that the world is passing them by and they can't figure it out for some reason. I'm, we've run into a lot of young people mm-hmm. on this trip and, and it's just not the case. I think the world is, you know, mm-hmm. you have a huge technological uh, advantage over people, let's say, uh, Jill and I's age, and there's a lot of other advantages. So as far as capital is concerned, I don't think you should even think about it at all. You can, uh, mm-hmm. you need money to send mail out and you need to really spend some time educating yourself on being an, an, a fantastic dynamic type personality salesperson mm-hmm. uh, to take the phone calls when people start calling back and to create your own real estate deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't approach this from a money standpoint at all. We have all kinds of people in our group. Jill and I uh, are at the top of the list, ready to fund your deals if you find great land. In six to eight months, I think it takes longer than that. Boy, to get revenue from some, really? I think it takes probably 90 to 120 days to turn your first deal. Thank you. So Whether or not that first deal is uh, amazing and fantastic, that's that's a function of how much you put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really spend uh, some time learning and get a great mailer out, price it correctly, utilize all the resources that are here in Land Academy, and uh, align yourself in Discord, ask a ton of questions, I think it's possible to to really start to jam the pipeline full. But I, I would I always err on the side of, well, it's probably going to take longer than that. So to end it on this, the best case scenario that you can possibly be in is to have an, a, a bit of capital if you actually need uh to, you know, have need to have a salary, which a lot of us do, most of us do. Put a bunch of money into a bank account, get your W-2 rolling uh, so you can pay your bills, and then the, the money that's uh, left over, send out mail. Uh, and uh, if you if you have a bunch of money, you know, use your own money to fund deals or, or use deal funding. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very important question, and I think it's on everybody's mind in some way. Mm-hmm. Fixed costs versus, you know, long-term equity. Mm-hmm. Today's first topic, land investing in low-growth real estate environments. Uh, like I said in the intro, Jill and I have been traveling all over the country right now this summer um, with honestly no end in sight. No. How many months this is going to go I, I got to say, <laughs> I got to say, I literally came out this morning and Jack's having coffee and I, I, I looked to him and I go, we're not going home, are we? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I guess we could try it someday. Let's see how long it goes until we can, can't can stand it and we have to leave again. It's kind of you funny. Know, I was thinking, like, because I have a, you know, to a fault, uh, a spreadsheet-driven brain. And I started thinking, all right, I'm mentally drawing, drawing a line down the center of the paper. Uh, left side's pros, right side's cons. What are the cons? About going home? No, just about what we're doing. Oh, okay, got it. And I came up with one, and that's uh, an unreliable mm-hmm. uh, internet connection. At times. And that's like really only twenty percent of the time. Correct. But during that that twenty percent of the time is it's because we're because we it's not because of buying and selling land like no. she said a million times. Nobody cares about that. You can figure that out on totally. a cell phone connection. It's this stuff. You know, the cameras and the lights and the, the Land Academy are part of this. So, and hosting the Thursday call mm-hmm. and the, now the Land Academy Pro uh, office hours and, and eventually career path. So, mm-hmm. when you don't have a stable internet connection and you're trying to run something like career path, 
gets, then it gets tricky. It gets uh, frustrating. Right. But outside of that, there's nothing else on the sheet of paper. On the con side, it was all pros. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's hilarious. I guess the only, the only thing we got to do is like, people need to start our cars at home. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, I got everything else kind of locked down. So that's, that's kind of nice. Uh, no, it's, are we saving money or what do you think? I, I just, out of curiosity. I think, uh, I don't know. I, it, can, I can look at it. I don't look at our, pers- I think we're saving money I don't on the look road at our too. Stuff. I never look at our personal stuff. Cause that's always kind of covered. Right. In fact, if you're building your land business, you could, that's what you have to look forward to. The personal expense, our personal expenses are ridiculously low yeah. for, for how we live. So, but the company stuff I always look at mm-hmm. and uh, seems to be going okay. Yeah. So this, this came up for me, I, this, this topic today hit me in the face, like, I don't know what, like a bird on a windshield (laughs) that happened yesterday exactly (laughs) (laughs) so um well we were talking to your sister and i you know i'm so used to living in areas where there's a lot of economic growth and new companies and movement and you know like people leave one area they may leave a city and go somewhere else like during COVID and buy a bunch of land and build their dream house kind of thing. But they still went to areas where there was growth and movement or, or if it wasn't there, they brought it kind of thing. There were enough of them that it created it, but there's still some places that it's not happening. And I'm a little bit perplexed <laughs> because I don't, it's so funny to me, you know, cause, and, and it truly, this is a compliment to you when you sit, you obviously know it and see it and watch it all the time because we're not mailing areas that are not, that this, this doesn't come up, you know, the, any, any area that this is happening, it's not where our mailers are going. So will you please explain more? Yeah. I, so it, it occurred to me, uh, this is now we're into our second, well into our second month of being on the road that, and we're obviously talking to a lot of local people. Mm-hmm. We're talking to people who are traveling around. We're in like Northern Michigan right now, uh, and across all the States in between Arizona and Northern Michigan to get here. So we're talking to a mix of local people and people that are traveling. And what I've noticed, and, and I'm sure it's something that's been going on forever, I'm just noticing it now, is how incredibly over-enthusiastic local people are about where they live. <laughs> and, and so that's happening. This it happened with my sister. Yep. And she's just inadvertent. She's, she's a very successful local real estate agent, a uh, residential real estate agent in northern Michigan. R- really, really successful. Like, like, can't go into a restaurant without somebody multiple people just you know know who she is have to say hi and so she's very enthusiastic um about where she lives and in the back of my mind i'm listening to her and i'm thinking well wait a second it led to a conversation because she's very in tune with uh, real estate about how there's just not any real serious growth when you buy a house 10 years later it's worth maybe 10% more, which in my mind, running the math real quick, maybe covers all the, the real estate costs with buying and selling it. Maybe not. Certainly doesn't cover the maintenance costs and all the other stuff. So I look at it like you're renting your own house. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that? Right. And so, and then I'm thinking, all right, we're in Northern Michigan. I'm from Michigan, by the way. We're in Northern Michigan and 
the economy shuts down maybe six to seven months out of the year because of the weather. You can't build anything. So that is a real huge problem for getting uh, any type of labor at all because it's seasonal. So if you're if you're uh, a person that you know wants to get a job and it, you're only going to work half the year mm -hmm. uh, for, on construction or whatever else, that's that's a problem. You know, it becomes a agricultural environment. Yeah, it's true. And so there's a lot of things working against. Uh, and I'm not picking on Northern Michigan. It's it's all kinds of places. The, the Southwest has uh, seasonal issues and all kinds of stuff. But there's low. If you are investing in a low price growth area, you have to you have to make sure, make doubly sure that you're buying property really, really inexpensively. Right. So that's the thing. So last, especially the last couple of years, it's been really nice. There has been like pre-COVID, right? We had inventory, we had stuff in our property in our inventory. COVID hits and remember it took a little dip, but then all of a sudden everybody went bananas and they're moving and buying and doing that. I want a bigger house and bigger land and I'm leaving the city for good now because I can. So for us as investors, some of my properties that were in inventory for a little bit of while, they were worth even more. I'm like, this is the greatest thing. I'm, you know, I, I thought I might've been mad. I didn't sell it six months ago. Now I'm like, yay. I'm so happy. I didn't sell it six months ago because now it's worth even more and people are scrambling for it. And shucks, I wish I had more that I was sitting on, you know, kind of thing. So that has been what we've been dealing with and I'm used to. So, and now it's kind of leveling off. Everything's great. We're getting back to normal somewhat. It's still really great. I'm, it's so interesting. But um, the thing about these environments is that I'm, it's so amazing to me, like you just said. So here we were having this discussion in Jack's sister's kitchen the other morning drinking coffee. I'm like, well, why don't these kids just do this? Why don't they just buy a house, you know, and then live in it for whatever and then move out, rent it, you know, and get another house. So like they, nobody can afford to do that. I'm like, what are you, what <laughs> are you are talking both, about? Jill and I were both, I'm like, both baffled by this. What? What do you mean? Nobody, no, they, no, no, no. She's like, they don't, they're never going to make that money. They don't, they're not going to rent it for enough. They, it's not going to work. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just don't get it. You know, and to which I said, well, you have a portfolio of a bunch of them. And she said, yes. And guess what? I built that portfolio in 2008, 2009, 2010. A lot of it was then is when we did it. And I'm like, Oh, and they can pay cash for it. It's a whole different situation. Doesn't still doesn't explain it. I know, but I just that's the thing. I'm so used to, you know, we're looking at these homes. You know, uh, there's some schmancy areas in northern Michigan, right? And I'm used to like, all right, if you buy something for a million, you know, and then and then now it's one point six, and then you wait a little while, and now it's one point eight, and then now it's two million, and they're like. No, 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 it's still a million. You know, I'm like, I'm so confused by this. What do you, you know? And so well, it, 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 the conversation ended with her and with Jill and I. The final point was, which maybe somebody can enlighten me because I still don't understand why. You know, I actually, I was, we were, you know, I don't understand why you would remain in an environment like that. Oh, that's true. You know, why there's a whole big, beautiful country out there. That's true. We're traveling around it literally right now. And so I don't know why you would kind of tie one hand behind your back from a pro 
economic prosperity standpoint and and stick around in a in a very seasonable somewhat economic i'm not i'm gonna say economically depressed area and and uh say oh and shrug your shoulders and say yeah that's the way it is you know what i would do if i'm like some people we know (laughs) that are (laughs) hell-bent on living in their little bubble (laughs) and they don't care and they know it's hard for other people to work and live and get jobs in schools and everything because their kids are grown, but they will need to be in this bubble. I get it. You do? Hold, please. With a, with, there's a caveat here. Buy your sweet place on the lake. You spend what you spend what you want to spend knowing you're never going to make money on it. Or just, you know, if you do great, if not, if you break yeah. even, that's great. I get that. That's all your thing. This is what I'm going to do. And then I buy and sell property everywhere else <laughs> because that's where the money is. I know you would. That's the whole point. That's why we're together, Joe. Thank you. So you can live wherever you want, but it's it's hard for me to just even adapt to that. Like, because I need our primary residence, like our primary residence, everything that we own goes up or we don't buy it. I can't buy it. And well, you even take it to cars. He's not yeah. nuts. We have cars that go up in value. We don't buy anything that's durable like that. Uh, not talking about a washing machine, but we don't buy things like that, that we don't have a pretty substantial equity position in yep. when we sign the acquisition paper. Exactly. And so, you know, maybe that's just us. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know why you would put yourself in a, at a disadvantage. Knowingly put yourself at a disadvantage because you're more comfortable. <laughs> not you. I'm not talking about you. I just mean people. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Please take all that in consideration if you're going to invest in low-growth real estate environments. Jill just actually described how it can work and how it should work. Low-growth real estate environments in some ways might be a better acquisition scenario because there's a lot of people that are realizing at a certain point when maybe they need money that the property's not going up. It's just staying the same, so I might as well just sell it. That's true. It's not, it's not an investment anymore. Really make that work. Let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Do this deal, Juneau County, Wisconsin, uh, accepted offer price, $4,546.25. Thinks we can sell it for 12. Uh, Two siblings own this property. You ready for the story? Mm -hmm. Okay. On the property, they live out of state and they inherited it. Awesome. Uh, Zoned agricultural residential open space. 1.79 acres wooded on the front the east side is slope minutes from castle rock lake uh physically it's a privately maintained physical road that spells hoa if it's privately maintained i don't know about wisconsin and hoas i don't think that exist there i don't know county says there's an easement on the property to the east for the entire west 66 feet siblings are alive their mother is also on the property County says the sellers will need to sign a form termination of deceased interest before the title can be conveyed. All right. About half of the lots are built. Almost all unbuilt properties around it have out-of-state mailing addresses. How do I figure out a more accurate sales price? Is the termination of deceased interest an issue? Uh Uh-uh. If it's like a form that goes in addition to JTROS, or if it's a form that takes the place of, because there's three of them, um... And that's how they roll. I'm good with all that. Yeah. Again, so my, my initial look at this, because you can't really, if you do this, you can't really see what, where the structures are because there's so many trees. So I'm doing this. 
okay. see where these structures are. And I can tell you that that's good. It's sort of passing the adjacent test, but not seriously. Uh -huh. There's a lot of dirt here, uh -huh. but some of it's being developed. It's got great proximity to uh, this lake. Uh-huh. And it's four thousand dollars. So let's see what the value is of this house. On eight acres. On eight acres. So I would buy this and I would close on it and I would mm -hmm. sell it for list it for probably 15 and I would just forget about it and eventually it's gonna sell. Uh -huh. That's how that would be my take on it. This is you think it's an HOA. Um I use the terminology. So okay, good. The county just says they don't maintain Maple Drive. Oh, okay, good. All right. So it's not privately, it's maintained. It's like you maintain your own road. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> All right. I got it. I'd buy it. Good. Cheapest property in here. And this acreage is 12,000 and you're buying it for one third of that. Yeah. And whatever the county says, this is what we need for this kind of a deed. Um, fill this out and we need original, original death certificate and we'll send it back. I trust all of that. I'm totally good with that. I am so excited to announce and share that Career Path 7 and 8 is open to the public. So just so you know, check out landacademy.com forward slash career path or just go to landacademy.com and then under programs, you'll find Career Path. What's Career Path? It is our eight week highest level personalized taught by us via Zoom coaching session. It's kind of, it's our mastermind, whatever you want to call it. It's our highest level coaching that we offer. I do two or three a year. That's all. And we have released our last two sessions for 2023. That's Career Path 7 and Career Path 8. One's a Wednesday group and one is a Saturday group. And the coolest thing is that this is the first time that we're doing this where we have them going concurrently where, and you can bounce around. So, hey, I couldn't make Wednesday. So I'm going to show up on Saturday or vice versa or holy moly, Wednesday was so amazing and intense. I want to watch that and be a part of it again on Saturday. You can do that too. So it's going to be awesome. There's an application process. Um, you do not have to be a current Land Academy member, by the way, but there is an application process. It takes five minutes to fill out and then you get a call scheduled. So go to landacademy.com again, look for programs and go down to career path. It's awesome. And I don't know. I only, I limit it to like 15, 20 seats a group. So it's not a lot. So, um, don't wait till, uh, September 20th no, to do this. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, everybody knows that I'm, yeah. I'm not the, you know, I always look at the, my glass is half full Yeah. and this, this career path, yeah. this, this thing has created a life of its own yeah. career path. This is what the third year we're doing it now. Yeah. And so now it kind of speaks for itself. So I've never seen so many people sign up so quickly. And people and come back. Two months, two months uh, to, before the thing starts. Yeah. So I'm not selling anything. I'm just saying this is pretty popular now. It is. It's it's that great. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Again, if you want a sneak peek, go to landacademy.com. It's free. Sid wrote, "A hundred dollars an hour reminder." I love this. Okay. So uh, we all start out performing all the minutiae tasks that make up the land business. It helps us understand the tasks, but it takes up valuable time. I just had a friend tell me to tape a $100 bill to your computer monitor in an annoying visible place. If the task you're performing is not making you hundreds of dollars an hour, find someone else to do it. 
I like that. So I'm going to read. Sid was just uh, a most recent uh, career path person. And mm -hmm. he was very vocal and really involved. And he does uh, amazing stuff mm -hmm. in Texas. And so we all kind of learned from him and yet still learning. Here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read between the lines here. If it's not making you hundreds of dollars an hour. So what he's focusing on, and uh, I'm really struggling with some people in our staff right now with this concept of staring at that $100 bill and seeing if it's revenue. Mm -hmm. Are you working on something that's revenue related? Here's an mm -hmm. example in your land business. Acquisitions. Acquisitions are like answering the phone, talking to somebody who's a seller, talking about the property. That is all revenue generating. It's, it's, a, it's a revenue center. It's not a cost center. Right. I joke about that. I've been joking about this for over a decade. You know, Jill is the only woman I've ever known to be a revenue center, not a cost center. And I don't mean, uh, it's not a gender thing. It's just, she's the only person I've ever had a long-term relationship with uh, that just holds her own and smashes it. And so from a business standpoint, you're gonna either work on something that's generating money, revenue, or you're gonna work on something that's not. It's either a cost center or a revenue center. You want everything as a business owner to be a revenue center. And unfortunately, you're gonna have to find People do the other stuff, the administrative stuff that is a cost center. Mm -hmm. Make that insignificant in your decision-making process about what you work on every every day mm -hmm. and make it cheap. So if you can find somebody um, that's relatively disposable to do stuff that is not uh, that important, it's not a, a profit center, you should do that. And if it takes uh, taping a $100 bill to your forehead, I would say do it. Kids, cost center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Yep. Rent, cost center. <laughs> yeah. Avoid both of those things. Let's see. What else, what's a good... Uh, Jeez, everything. There's a way... It's so easy to get just tripped up in a cost center. We are wired from the time that we go to school uh, to just to deal with stuff that just is so insignificant to what you really want to do. True. I mean, right from kindergarten on. True. You're right. If you really look at your 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 life and find out what's a cost center, you're going to be shocked because the only thing probably if you have a W two job, the only the only thing that's a revenue center is go, showing up for work there. Yeah. And 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 when you're showing up at work, you're probably a cost center, not a revenue center. Exactly. Not good. Plus, it's a single point of failure. Then you've got all this other stuff that you're responsible for from a cost standpoint. Exactly. Hundred dollar reminder, said I like it. Sid listens it. to the show. He's the, the awesome. one of three people that actually listen to this and watch this. And thank you, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> you made the show. I wonder again. what speed. Are you at uh, at what two point speed? What speed? That's kind of funny. <laughs> Today's second topic is the truth about mailer competition. Gotcha. This came up uh, on a Thursday call yesterday. And, it, and I like when it comes up. Uh, the, the person said something to the tune of, hey, I've sent uh, 10,000 mailers out. I've got, you know, I'm not getting the response that I want. That's the short of it. Right. Well, it was some other thing, too, I think, that we uncovered while you're doing it, too. It's good. And so it prompted a conversation. We answered the question, and we'll certainly address it here in the topic. But it prompted a conversation after the, uh, the Thursday webinar was over mm -hmm. for Jill and I. And I asked her this. You know, of all the pieces of property that we own around the country, I don't know how many, it's a lot, uh, that are for sale, obviously. Every Once a month, I mean, every, every month, how many letters do we get uh, 
to see if we want to, as a seller, like people are contacting, sending out mailers because we own mm-hmm. property there. We receive the letters to see if they want to buy it. And you said. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to give real numbers. So at any one point in time, I've got 100 to 200 properties in rotation um, right now. And so I get like five to 10. That's it. A month. A month. And then the, and then he goes, well, how many of those anything ever comes of it? I said, this is a funny thing. So I open them, I read them, I look at them, and some of the names I recognize, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to sign this and send this back and see if anything ever happens. And 99% of the time, crickets. Crickets. I'm like, I don't, and I don't think it's me because there's people that I don't know that I might send it back because sometimes they're like, this is, I'm like, this is a dumb offer. Like if you want, like someone really priced it wrong and they send me an offer. I'm like, I know how I'm like. You mean it's too high? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> if you want it for that price, you could have it. Right. So I sign it and send it back and they still don't follow up. I'm like, what is I've get. And then I've called, like there's times I've done, I've got automated. So I've emailed, I've got like, usually I'm not going to mail it back. I'm usually going to sign it scan it and then email it to the person that's the most right and then I get automated uh, replies even email replies I'm like so many people are dropping the ball I had one guy for a while that I was actually kind of working with he clearly unfortunately did not know what he was doing he just kind of like it's like he just found offers to owners send out some offers had no idea what he was doing so he couldn't even close on the deal he didn't know how to do his due diligence and even proceed and I'm like and eventually backed out I'm like thank goodness because I'm tired of helping you you're not even realizing this is a good deal and I I don't I don't know what to do here so anyway I felt bad for the person did didn't have any you know education was like I said winging it so the the whole thing about this is it's a lot less than what one would think it is number one and number two I'm most of the planet or I'm just not I mean just the people in our space they don't know what you know and they don't know how to take this all the way to the end there are a lot of things that go into as we know you know picking an area pricing the mailer getting it out that's one aspect and then the second aspect what we're talking about here is knowing how to complete a deal, knowing how to talk to these sellers, answering the phones, you know, working with them, getting them to want to sell to you and then taking it all the way to selling it and doing it again. I, I, you know, I really, really, really think that you need to, there's like, whatever, I think there's 10 steps to buying a piece of property. You know, we, we've talked about them a hundred times. The critical step, the critical, absolute imperative step. They're all essential, but the imperative step is you creating a real estate transaction, not doing a real estate transaction, but actually creating one uh, when the phone rings mm-hmm. and they might be livid and then Jill ends up buying their property mm-hmm. or they might say, yeah, I, I want to do the deal. And then just going through all the steps to actually create that real estate transaction. And I think, I also think that once in a while, and this happens to us, once in a while, somebody will say, a seller will say, oh yeah, I just got a letter from somebody else on this, or I got a couple letters this year on this. So that's not real competition at all. Mm-hmm. You know, think about real estate agents. There's something like 1.6 million real estate agents in this country. If you've ever been in a real estate office, they're all in competition with each other. If they're all sitting there trying to vie, they're vying for the same five listings that are going to come up in that market, and one or two people end up getting them because they they work at it like Jill does. Mm-hmm. So here's the truth: we don't 
by the way, Jill and I, we don't have any secrets that make this successful. That's what Land Academy is. We tell you everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we may have on you as a real estate investor, regardless of where you are in your career, is more transaction experience. That's it. And a really, really, really positive attitude. I don't bring a positive attitude to this. Jill does. So, oh, come on, sunshine. <laughs> don't, don't put yourself down like that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's not any real competition, trust me. There's 150 million pieces of property That's out there. It. And everybody's sending out five, whatever, 5,000 unit mailers. And the vast majority of people are not following through oh as evidenced gosh. by what by what all the properties we own. We just know they're not following through. So if you, you want a competitive advantage, just follow through. Mm-hmm. Go through the education, get the mail out, use concierge data or somebody like me as a partner. Answer, answer the phone. Answer your phone. And, Check your email. And, uh, you know, get real comfortable having conversations all the time with sellers yeah. until you're buying a few, selling a few properties. Exactly. You know, I was tell, talking to someone about it today. There's times that we've worked in counties and just found great pockets and had great experiences. And we're like, we can hang out here for months. You know, I can hang out here in the same, I got so much stuff that came back and look how great this is. Wow. I got six, nine months worth of deals right now that I got to work through. This is great. I don't even need to send more mail. We will, right? It's silly not to, but it's nice knowing that, wow, look what I got to work through right now. This is great. And that's where deal funding comes in. So you don't have to let any of them go. Just work them all. I just spent Jill and I just spent uh, th- several days with my a bunch of my best friends from high school. They're all guys, I think. Yeah. And believe me, I was the least intelligent and least financially successful person in, in that room, uh-huh. uh, give or take a couple people. And they all um, didn't understand this business model until I said, You're, we're creating a real estate deal that wasn't there. That's oh, it. Oh, I get it. That was the light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's true. It was like, is it on the MLS? What is it? Like, right. No, they didn't. They knew they wanted to sell. And then they got our offer and they decided they are going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from uh, our, went, our weekly Thursday member webinar. Would you do this deal? We're uh, Madison County, Alabama. Accepted offer price, $45,000. Thinks we could sell it for $100,000. 1.14 times two acres. I don't know that is. We need to know where, where this is. Um, Madison County. Oh, Alabama. Madison. We have access. Uh, small acreage close to a big city. Everybody's alive. Moderate slope with large rocks. But plenty of land to build a sweet private house and shop. Close to Marina. By the way, you're writing the descriptions. This is yeah. awesome. I really yeah, like it. Totally. This is this, is, this needs to be in the title and description. No HOA, houses to the east are 600,000 to a million. Uh, water in the fire hydrant at the access point. All the houses on the hill are built on a steeper slope than this. Ah. So where's access? Yeah, can, does it extend from that street? I don't I, believe that there's access to this property. I concur. Super nice neighborhood. Oh, yeah, so I don't know how you get there. We need, ac- we need to know about access. Oh, it's access. two lots. Oh. oh, okay, good, hopefully this one is Okay, there. that's it, sorry. Yep, that's the access. Oh, no, I really like it. So they're both, yeah, me too. Um, you got two APNs. So you really get 1.1. No and so what's this one? 1.1 and are they both 1.1? Yeah. Okay, good. So you're getting two acres. This is a would you brag about this yeah, deal? Yeah, I agree. Like, $200,000. So, These little houses are 200 grand. 
it's right 45,000. Is it 45 for both? What are the, what's the days on market in that area? Cheapest prop one acre property uh, with a hundred days on market is 65,000 with utilities, hundred thousand for 1.7. These are 45 for each. So we're still I mean, 45 for both. So it's like 22,000, $20,000 of property. Yeah, but we're, it's really one two acre property because we're not going to give access through the sure? middle of the living room. Are you sure you can't yeah. do access like around here like this? Yeah, no. Okay, let's yeah. look at it that way then. One two acre property. It's one two acre property. Let's really be honest here. Three acres for a hundred grand. Price cut, price cut, price cut, 50,000. So no, not a lot of comps. Last five acre property sold for 80. We're paying 45 for this, but it's way out here. Look at this one. This one just sold in July, just a couple weeks ago. So it's a big zip. So where are we yeah. here? We're right in town. No, I wouldn't subdivide. I wouldn't mess with any of that. Neither would I. Right here. These are all good comps. What's going on with this property? Throwing it all off. Mm-hmm. I wish there were 25. So do I. The dirt's great. 20, 25 all day long. So that's where I'm at, Eric. If you could have that conversation with them. I'll give you the 20, it's 25. It's, it needs to be cheaper. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Then I feel good about it. Yep. Even if things aren't moving that fast in that area, I'm going to need to act fast because we are in, oh, Alabama. Okay. So we're south. Oh, one more, one more thing. What are the home prices around there? Well, we just looked we at these properties here. Are this is the most expensive part of Alabama then. These properties are, this is $200,000. This, okay. this is probably a more likely situation 400 it needs to be cheaper yeah i think we're gonna sell it for 50. that's what i think too that's exactly what i think you so know that. need to come back i would go back eric try to kill it try to kill it come go in hot you know uh talk you know you can i'm sure you can explain to them too we all know it's really one two acre property not two because you know moving getting the getting the access to the back one is almost non-existent. There's a reason why you bought it like that too, period. So, and then I would say the best I could do is 20. If it works great, I will open escrow tomorrow. If it doesn't work, I totally understand. And I wish you all the best. How long do they own it too, by the way? Cause that makes a difference sometimes. Yep. Can you look to toggle back oh. if you don't mind? Um, well, wasn't it an estate situation or I'm mixing it up? Mixing them up. It doesn't say. We don't know. Um, since the eighties. Well, that's good. I, you you got to get a better price. Yeah. We don't know what they paid. So, you know what, but, and you know what stuff happens. My pricing, uh, losing, using the term lightly algorithm did, failed us there. And that just happens. Well, you, it was all in that same zip. Yeah. You know what, on the North side it would have worked, but where this was, you, yeah. you couldn't. There's no way that. you can know that. Right. Same zip. My point is it's like, I make mistakes all the time. It wasn't a mistake. No. This one's a little further out. And we thought it was looking good too until we found out some of the nuances. Jill, you have something inspirational to share. Yes. My comment is this. How well do you know yourself? Are you honest with yourself? <laughs> because are you really the best person to answer the phone? This is the kind of thing that I get. Uh, yeah, love Jill and I have a... You know, you're my case study. How well do you know yourself? This is what happens when Jill's not happy with me. Do you know yourself at all? How do you well know do you're you know even yourself? doing that? <laughs> do you know what havoc this is wreaking? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no. No, that's not it. 
No, but you know what? You could be in a very positive way because you have things that you are amazing at that I suck at and we can turn, you know, but so could you mind if I use you for this example? Oh, please, you should. Okay. So. It's all true. Think about Jack's voice and how Jack sounds and the way he comes at things and think about me. <laughs> How would you react yeah. when he answers the phone? Yeah, who do you want to talk to? Versus when I answer the phone. <laughs> You're like, oh, duh. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's actually sometimes as simple as that. I have talked to people on the phone and it's... And it's, uh, I have to give them that, that uh, little come to Jesus shake and say, stop answering the phone, you know, because I have spoken to people that have done, like, do all my own calls. I do all this stuff. I'm like, how do you get a deal done? Because you sound like Eeyore. You sound like Eeyore on a bad day. It's amazing to Eeyore me. Eeyore on a bad day. <laughs> exactly. That's a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> They they really wanted to sell. <laughs> it's amazing. But because it really makes a difference. You know, and and I and I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but you have to take a step back. Maybe listen to your own calls. I have it set up. You can re- you can record your calls on your cell phone. I know it. There's all kinds of apps that you can put on there and record your calls. If you have not done that, you need to do that. And if you're not getting the response that you think you should be getting when sellers call you back, you need to A, listen to your own phone calls, and B, maybe have somebody else listen to your phone calls and go, well, yeah, like I'll listen to them, you know, or somebody like me. That That's, that's what should be happening. Um, um, and you need to be able to say, maybe I'm not the best person. So if you're not getting the response to try something else, by the way, there's things that you can do yourself. Maybe, maybe you realize spot little tweaks like, oh, I was having a bad day there. I can clearly tell it was in my voice. That's not how I normally sound. I can fix this. There might be things that you can do that you can fix it. And there might be things that you can't fix. And if you're not sure turn it on to something else. Let somebody else answer your phone. Heck, the easiest thing, and it's, you know, it's not expensive. You can do a couple hundred bucks a month to get started and just figure it out. Bring in Pat Live. As Land Academy members, you know Pat Live and you have a great rate there. Use Pat Live, see what the response is, and then make some decisions about it. And the, the whole point here is to, well, there's two points. One is, you know, figuring out if you're the best person to answer the phone. And then number two is, hey, if you're the owner, you shouldn't be answering the phone anyway. That's what I think. That's, Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's if you can't afford it yet or you're still trying to learn. I or get all that. You want to get to know the area a little bit. You're kind of just understanding some things. Totally get that. But then it's, then you need to turn it off. Because like Sid's question about, you know, the $100 thing. You could be, how much time are you bogged down in on the phones? I know I've done that. He's done that. Jack's done that. And as a business owner, that's not something you should be doing. It's like, I have my own pizza joint. Should I be working the front counter? No, you're off buying cheaper cheese, you know, and you're, you, you should quickly be, maybe when you first open your pizza joint, you want to get to know it, you know, the customers, make sure and the right experience. And then you put people in place and you put more people in place, put more people in place, keep working yourself up. So you're only up here directing and doing, you know, the owner level stuff. And Which that, is nothing. 
Well, yeah. I mean, which but, is looking at the money. Yeah. And making, making sure. Making sure that everything is in its place. Uh, yeah. and But without detaching yourself so that when the, something does go wrong, and it will. Right. That you can't jump right back in and. and Solve uh, it. While in direct traffic. Right. Instead, without involving yourself and actually solving it. Right. That's the ideal scenario. It doesn't happen that way all the time. Right. But Jill's absolutely right. You know, and it's not just are you the best person to answer the phone? It's are you the best person to then mail her? Are you the best person yeah. to, you know, uh, there's, look, again, I just met, I just met a, my, this is 40 years now since I graduated from high school almost. Mm-hmm. These people have all gone on to do amazing things. And there are several people, a few people in that group that if they had to get back down and start digging ditches in their own company, they couldn't do it. Mm. They're, they're so far removed. Some of these companies are so big. They're so far removed that their reaction is, well, let's get somebody else to get somebody else in here. Hmm. Let's hire somebody to hire some other people to hire some three people below them to fix this problem. And so I'm not advocating that at all. And and I'm sure you're not either. You know, it's funny. You want to be, mm-hmm. go, you want to be able to take your glove, roll up your sleeves. It's funny you bring that up because you just talked about the people that are, that we know that aren't there that we think makes the most sense. And we just met a phenomenal person for the very first time. And it's a, it's a friend of your sister's who runs a very successful, um, nonprofit. Yeah. He's the CFO and the COO. And he's like, every now and then I get a call for the random things with parking lot issues. He's like, I obviously am not going to do it, but I know what to do. He's the right per- He obviously, whew, he's amazing. You know we just met this guy. I'm like, we'd be friends if we lived here. <laughs> you know it is about him too, specifically. We'll probably never see the guy again, but yeah. we spent a half hour talking. And, you know, he's he really enjoys the, the business he's in. True. He takes uh, the community into his soul. And yeah. he, he believes in it. I believe too that he's providing this kind of uh, community-based service while he's getting paid pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and I think he's got a certain passion about it that's not replaceable or it, you know, it'd be very difficult to replace. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other thing too. I think if you're, it, uh, Jill and I stare at land through the windshield right now, both of us in awe, we never get tired of it and we never get tired of talking about it. We're just land people. And so we just have a passion about it. I, I think you got to see if what you have a passion about, if it's land and money, then you're in the right place. <laughs> 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 if it's just money, this might not be the right place. I don't know. True. I'm really serious. That's true. Somebody yeah. told me a long time ago, never get into a business that you're not passionate about. It's true. And they used it, uh, and this is a person who just defaulted on a loan because he bought three uh, oil changing businesses and he mm. had, he liked money and didn't care Hated about changing that. oil or uh. car maintenance and that's how it ended. I agree. It's not going to really work then. Hey, Jack, what have you got to share with us today? I would like to talk about the role of AI in your land investment business. This came about uh, for a couple of reasons. One, people in Discord are talking about it all over the place. Really? Number two, and more importantly, since Jill and I started Land Academy at the live events and whatever I talk to people, describe the business most re- recently with these really successful high school friends of mine, uh, their, most of their re- reaction to what we, Jill and I do for a living is this. Well, all right, there's 150 million pieces of property in the country. That's a finite data set. It's not infinite because I thought it was infinite until this conversation because you just look around and there's so much land, but it really is a finite data set. 
well, then why don't you put this private equity group over here, get this data bank over here, set up a call center, do this, this, and this. And this is the way these ultra successful people that have you know 20 or 30 years of business experience think. To which I said, you're completely and totally forgetting one thing. There's a person on the other end of that line. Yeah. There's, a, there's a person on the phone that wants to sell their property to you. And if you don't engage them properly, it's all the, the capital, private equity capital, and all the people, Pat Life type people answering the phone aren't going to help. And and that's not, you know, we've had, geez, I can't count on both hands how many times people have come into our group, literally assigned a deal with private equity group and tried to automate this entire thing. Yes. Got banks of people, uh, interns specifically in one case, yeah. and it all blew up in their face. Why? Because they're forgetting the personal, we're in the people business and they're forgetting that personal point. So yeah, are you going to get some deals done that way? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're going to get a bunch of deals done that way. Is it sustainable? Probably not. Your mailer ratio is going to go to, it's going to go to hell. You're, you're going to have to send out 30,000 letters to get one deal because nobody cares. And it's that one person out of 30,000 that doesn't care how the person sounds on the other end of the phone, they just want their money and they want it fast. And even then, mm-hmm. if somebody's not, you know, addressing whatever it is that they, because they have, they, these are people. Mm-hmm. So is there a role for AI in this? Heck yes. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody went out recent, not recently, about eight months ago and automated the red, green, yellow test and found out that there's like nine places mm-hmm. uh, to send mail that are that rise above the rest of all the zip codes in the rest of the country. And I, to which I said, great, now you've got these 10 zip codes. Congratulations. Um, how many properties are in the data set that are rising to the top? Because of course, it's, the, all the percentages are going to go to the tip top mm-hmm. if there's three properties in the data set. Right. I hope that's clear. You don't want that anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to, there's some element of manual uh, mm-hmm. everything that goes on in this. And Jill's side, Jesus, really manual. Does that mean you're not going to make $10 million a year? Absolutely not. Because we have people that have one or two employees that are in career, every single career path that mm-hmm. ten, making $10 million a year, mm-hmm. six to $10 million a year with one or two people. Yep. So this is not the way to make $150 million a year. Right. And they didn't want to hear that. I hear you. There's a lot of ways to make $150 million a year, and this isn't it. Do you have any use for AI right now? Uh, Great question. AI, um, you know, I think it's really important to understand the definition of AI. There's if-then statements, and then there's AI. AI, as I understand it, is artificial intelligence. It's learning. So it goes out, it has a massive data set, and then it learns. It does does an act that's probably, it begins as an if-then statement or answers a question, and it learns from it oh, I need to move the mechanical arm two millimeters to the right because it didn't do what I want. And then it's so, and then at, at lightning speed, the speed of light, it's learning. I'm not sure that that's what, everybody says the word AI, and I don't think that that's actually what, what the strict definition is. So is there a role for ever-changing in, uh, computer intelligence? Heck yes, mm-hmm. there is. Is it going to be in the form of sending more letters out? Probably. Is it going to be in the form of answering the phone effectively? Nope. So you can send out, you can send out 150 million letters, pretty effectively, actually. And you could probably use AI to do it, or some version of computer learning, or computer intelligence. Who's going to answer those phones? Yeah. 
and what kind of phone bank do you need? So there's a lot, six or seven moving parts to this. So no, Joe, I don't, I don't think I'm with you. this I moment yeah. uh, that there's an AI application, you know, I don't have a entire, real good, our entire career, Jill and I, as land, running land Academy, people have come specifically developers, computer to, uh, software developers have come in and automated pricing and automated the red, green, yellow test and automated the money piece and all of that. And none of them are with us anymore. Not, they've all moved on to go do something else. Hmm. So what does that say? Because it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Or it didn't. It, or maybe it worked. It I didn't achieve the results. Whatever they were trying to do, it was not as easy as they thought. Right. It's not just writing a program and spitting out a hundred dollar bills. I wish it was. I see a huge, huge, awesome, positive benefit for AI if you're in high school. <laughs> I mean, it's where a, it's a, was that during my senior me, paper time? AI, everybody thinks AI is chat, man, uh, GBT, and so it, it That's writes text. That's exactly. what everybody, the whole world thinks at it, and really, it's automation. Yeah, it's kind of AI has been in manufacturing for years and years and years and years. That's where the real application. You know, it's funny. I really thought that by now, because this has been five or so years. I thought by now that every time I walked into a, um, uh, you know, a fast food environment, a robot would be doing it. I agree. Making my so, salad. All right. So, so that's why that? I'm like, why did that not happen? I thought by now it's happening. It didn't happen. Remember they used to have automats? The pizza the thing. That was definitely going to be a, a robot making your pizza. So, that was coming. So why is that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I can... I Tell me. I, I, I can only it didn't give you work my opinion. for whatever reason. Because I think people need to have a social experience. Oh. I don't want someone to spin oh. and throw a hamburger at me in a vending machine. Huh? I just don't. Huh? And I'm not a people person. But well, I, maybe that taps into this whole thing too. I guess you're right. I or I thought it just wasn't. It can't. It has to be cost effective. I think it's because it's some, come on, when you really add up salaries and benefits and all that stuff, it's. Oh, there's a there's a cost effectiveness that comes in there. How many times you call customer service and get sick of it after five <sighs> seconds and press zero to true. talk to somebody uh, 50 times until you get somebody? Every Dang time, me. actually. That's true. This is interesting. So this will be fun to watch. You know, how much we... Uh, everybody's embracing it right now, but is it going to go away in six months? Right. That could happen. Hey, don't forget, you can reach us for questions and help just by texting 480-530-7383. Join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. We, we are, are Jack, Jack and Jill. Jill. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property.